will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such boasting is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. All right, let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us and for this time you've given us to gather together and worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And Right now as I get ready to preach, I just ask that you would just use me as your mouthpiece and speak to these people through me, through the message you've placed upon my heart to deliver, Lord. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What is your life? Now, some people would probably think that is a very depressing topic to talk about. What is your life? But this question has multiple facets to it. It's what's your life, meaning what does your life amount to? It means what is your purpose for being here? It means what reason do you exist today? The list goes on and on and on as to what this question could mean. What is your life? What is the meaning of life? We know that our purpose is to praise, honor, and glorify God according to the Scriptures. But just getting back to the question at hand, what is your life? Every day, we're faced with the reality that life is a finite thing that fades away as swiftly as it comes, just as a water vapor does. Plans fall through. We receive word that people with their whole lives ahead of them have passed away by various means. So many of us make high and lofty plans for tomorrow. By tomorrow, I mean it could be literally tomorrow. It could be a year from now. It could be five to ten years from now. We have these high and lofty plans in store. But what do we do when the tomorrow that we have envisioned for ourselves never comes? Some of us might get upset and stay mad for a time because plans fell through. Some will try to frantically hold on as the future that they envisioned sifts through their fingertips like sand. Some might berate others and belittle others because their dreams are no longer attainable and envy those who are successful. But has it ever occurred to us that God could have a different better plan in store for our lives than what we had in mind for ourselves. I'd envisioned myself as going into the computer science field and having an IT job right about now. But God definitely had a much better plan in store. He called me into the ministry. He set me on this path that I am currently on now that has brought me here before you today. 
He chose to call me to preach his word. Why he chose me out of all the other people that he could have called, I have absolutely no idea. Public speaking is not my forte, and I'm standing before you today because of the calling of God on my life. Brings me to my first point. We do not know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's around the next bend. We don't know what's around the next corner. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I'm not saying, oh, you're not supposed to make plans or anything like that. No, trust me, if you don't have a set plan in mind, there's going to be chaos. And we both know, and we all know that we do not serve a God of chaos. We serve a God that is a very orderly God. He is a very organized God. There is an order and an organization to everything that he does. We're the ones that try to throw a monkey wrench into things. Aside from what is revealed to us in God's word, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. There are little things that can occur that can change circumstances to where we're not able to do the things that we initially planned to do. Like, for example, there could be a, you could have a blowout and you're not able to take the vehicle that you wanted to take on the trip. You could get into a car accident on your way home from work. You could get into a car accident on your way home from church. Various things could happen that could potentially change your plans for the future. How long in the future? I don't know. Aside from what's revealed to us in God's word, we don't know what will happen from day to day. You woke up this morning. That's good. That's something to praise God for because that means he sustained you through the night. You just took a next breath. That's something to praise God for. Every breath that we have is a gift. We don't know when our next breath, we don't know if or when our last breath is going to be. We don't know if our next breath that we take will be our last, and we don't know if we're going to draw our last breath years from now. We honestly just do not know. Every second, two people die. For all we know, one of those two could be one of us. Our lives are shorter than we think them to be. It is even a vapor, as the book of James chapter 4 says. The average life expectancy in the United States is 78 years. Worldwide, it's 72 years. That might seem like a long time to us. There are some people that even live upwards of 80, 90, 100 years old. For us, that seems like a very long time. But in the spectrum of eternity, it's gone as quick as it comes. For example, in the the six years that I've been down here, ten of the people I went to high school with, whether they were one, two, three years behind me or two or three years before me, have passed away. 
by various means. That really puts things into perspective for me. Because these were people around my age, some of them I had known for all of my life. I had went to school with them from preschool all the way up to graduation. Some of them I met along the way. But one day I scrolled across my Facebook feed and saw that they had passed away. Those were people around my age, people I grew up with. Whether they were saved or lost, I do not know. But I just pray I was able to be a good witness for them. I would really hate for one of them to have ended up in hell because of me. Our lives are but a vapor. It's a finite thing. This is a very depressing topic you're talking about, preacher. I know. But it's putting things into perspective for us. Because that phrase that, oh, we've got our whole lives ahead of us. That is a good statement and an encouraging outlook to have, yes. But how long is that life? How long is it going to be until you take your final breath? How long is it going to be? We don't know. That's why we need to make our lives count. Are you saying, oh, we need to live it up. We need to live for ourselves. We need to do whatever we want. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. No, that's not what I'm saying. We need to make our lives count, but how can we do that? We need to do it for the glory of God. That's our purpose here as Christians. We are to bring honor and glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And we know James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Therefore to him that, doeth, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The book, of, the book of James also says for us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. If we're not being doers of the word, we're not doing that which is good. The book of Micah chapter 6 says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. What the Lord requires something of us? Absolutely he does. What parent wouldn't require something of their children? What parent wouldn't require obedience from their children? But how do we please God? It's really simple. 
we obey his word. Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's much easier to preach than it is to practice. Trust me, I know. I'm just as human as the rest of you. And you're just as human as I am. We're not perfect. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But God's given us the means to get back up. Your life doesn't end whenever you fall. Your Christian life isn't over whenever you sin. That's not an excuse for you to live it up. That's not an excuse for you to sin it up. That's not an excuse for you to use and abuse the system of repentance and forgiveness that God has set forth. The sin now, repent later, God will forgive me for it anyway mentality has brought a really bad black eye to Christians in this world. I can tell you story after story about people I went to college with. Some of them chose to smoke weed after they got saved and they got caught out for it and they said, you hypocrite, you're just like the rest of them. I know another one that at one point was very passionate, very on fire for God. She got hurt. She backslid and she's no longer living for God today. That's examples of people around my age. But I look at those who have been faithful to God throughout their lives and I am encouraged. Why? They're making their lives count for the glory of God. How else do we make our lives count? We need to put God first in all things. Book of Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 through 7 says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much and gained little. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, and there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Examine what you're doing. Are you doing it for the glory of God? If you're not, it's going to amount to nothing. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Actually, I'll go ahead and jump up to verse 24 and read to the end of the chapter. It says, No man can serve two masters, for for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory and by Christ Jesus. We've got absolutely nothing to worry about as Christians. We've got absolutely nothing to be concerned with as Christians. Why? Because God is supplying our needs. Does that mean we just sit around and do nothing and wait for things to fall into our laps? No. Sometimes God supplying your need comes in the form of a job for you to be able to get the money to get the things that you need. Book of Genesis, the book of Genesis sets that down plain and clear. God said that we'll get, basically that we'll get bread by the sweat of our brow. Sometimes that sweat is profuse. Sometimes it keeps on coming out and doesn't stop. The Apostle Paul even wrote, basically saying that if we don't work, we don't eat. God's taking care of our needs. God is blessing us. We've got absolutely no reason to be worried about those things. And when you do get worried about them, there's a verse for that as well. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Put God first in all things, and you're going to be surprised what problems work themselves out. You'll be surprised how your finances stretch out as well. I've seen that time and time again. Funds have been tight, but God has provided. I've seen it time and time again. The numbers may not necessarily make sense on paper, but somehow, some way, it all ends up working out. I can't, put any, I can't put it into any words other than we serve a marvelous and wonderful God that is able to do anything and is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. We just need to put our faith and trust in Him. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We need to give it our all when we live for Jesus. It's not just simply something that you can decide to do one day and not decide to do the next. When you serve Jesus, it's all or nothing. Either you're all in and fully committed or you're not committed to Him at all. When you receive Christ as your Savior, it's not simply because you muttered a magic spell under your breath that you're saved. It's because you received the eternal gift of salvation that Christ has offered you freely. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, hath not, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. For he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And the end of the chapter says, He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. We serve an amazing God that has done so much for us. And yet so often we do not do anything for Him. And yet so often we do not live for Him. And yet so often we do not serve or please Him like we should. It's a good thing for us to serve the Lord. It's a good thing for us to give 100% when we serve Him. But not very often do we give that 100%. We need to give it our all. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10 says, Whatso thy hands findeth to do, do with thy might. That means give it everything you got. Everything that you do, you are building up rewards for yourself. If you're doing things to praise, honor, and glorify God, if you're living to serve God, then you are going to be building up gold, silver, and precious stones. But if you're not doing anything for Him and you're just living according to the flesh, you are building up wood, hay, and stubble. The gold, silver, and precious stones will withstand the storms of life. The gold, silver, and precious stones will withstand the refining fire whenever it burns it. But that wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be consumed and you're not going to have anything. What is your life? What are you living for? Are you living for Jesus? Or are you living for yourselves? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us and for this time you've given us to gather together and worship.